Hello, everybody. It's your host for the podcast for the universe. Me, you know me, because you listen to the podcast, so I guess I don't need to introduce myself. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, supporting, doing all the wonderful things that we always continually, ongoingly ask you to do with the podcast. Thank you so much, folks. We really appreciate it. Remember, go find all of our episodes at energieslovepodcast.com. If you are a subscriber to the podcast on iTunes, I'm going to ask you a favor. Take an extra minute and rate and review this show. Go leave us a little bit of feedback for what you think about the podcast. That not only is beneficial for me, the host, but it also helps us grow and expand. iTunes is really kind of weird and strange about the way that they do things when it comes to podcasting. I suppose I shouldn't speak ill of iTunes. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Obviously, Apple's great. However, if you want to help the podcast grow, just go rate and review it. It's as simple as that. That helps us reach new listeners and expand and all that other kind of wonderful stuff. January 6th and 7th in Ogden, Utah. If you live in Utah, I'm sure you're familiar with Ogden. Make sure that January 6th and 7th you head up there for the Infinite Possibilities Expo that's going to be taking place. It's a wonderful two-day event that is held each and every year. It's the first event of the year, and it's held at the Union Station up in Ogden. So if you can imagine a huge event with all sorts of booths, vendors, speakers, presenters, performers, uh, pretty much anything and everything you could possibly want or imagine in an expo and a festival, it's going to be there at this one. So remember, January 6th and 7th, Infinite Possibilities. Go online. You can find them on Facebook. You can also find links to them through our Facebook. It's going to be an amazing event. Hopefully everybody can make it out. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful, wonderful sponsor, As Above, So Below. They are located in Roy, Utah. That's also up north. It's kind of by Ogden. So any of our Davis, Weber County listeners, go pop into As Above, So Below and tell them that you heard about their shop on the podcast for the universe. At As Above, So Below, they have pretty much anything and everything that you could possibly imagine for your spiritual journey. Crystals, stones, incense, jewelry, clothing, tarot cards, information, smudging equipment, gear. (laughs) I know smudging stuff isn't necessarily referred to as gear or equipment, but it works. Like I said, anything and everything that you could possibly imagine at As Above, So Below. They also host regular events at As Above, So Below. Coming up on Sunday, December 18th, they're going to have a Yule Open Circle Movement Gathering. It's going to be a wonderful event. And then January 5th at As Above, So Below, starting off the new year, they're going to have the basic Wicca class, which will run through the month of January. So go to their Facebook page, which you can find links to through our website, and keep up to date with everything that they're doing at As Above, So Below. And like I said, pop in and say hello. It's a wonderful, wonderful shop. For this episode of the podcast, I got the opportunity It's always an opportunity, right? Everything's an opportunity in life. And my opportunity as the podcast host is to get to speak with amazing people. And Susan Grace is who you are about to listen to. She truly was amazing. She's a writer. She's an empath and intuitive. She's a mystic astrologer. So a lot of what Susan does when she works with people is in the realm of astrology and their charts and uh, interpreting and reading all of that information. But she brings forth her intuitive connection to the universe the collective, as she calls it, and does amazing, amazing things. Susan was really, really interesting, and we had some really wonderful conversation about a variety of topics, one of which was Atlantis. We kind of dive into Atlantis, whether you're into that or not, but 
This is a good episode. I really enjoyed it. You can go find all of Susan's stuff at susangrace.org. She's also got a Facebook page, which we have a link to in the show notes. Hop over to our Facebook page and you can find all the information for Susan and all the different places that you can connect with and follow her. Truly a wonderful episode. I absolutely loved it. Susan, thank you for taking the time. It was really wonderful. Now you guys, as the listener of the podcast for the universe, the Energy is Love podcast, you get to sit back and relax. Enjoy this episode with Susan Grace. Here we go. You're listening to the Energy is Love podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is the love podcast. The Energy is Love podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is Love podcast. The podcast for the universe. The Energy is Love podcast. So, first off, Susan, um, I pulled a little bit of information off your website. A lot of times when I do these interviews, I try to get, you know, just real basic stuff from necessarily kind of what people are and what they're into and what they're all about. But um, I also like to leave it really limited so then I get the opportunity to learn about you at the same time as our guests, not our guests, our uh, listeners. Great. Um, But first off, on your website, you've got listed kind of a description of you, a little bio, obviously, like a lot of people do. It's susangrace.com. Org, but you're a writer, an empath, an intuitive, and a mystic astrologer. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about that. First, I want to know a little bit about, you know what, let's just go into mystic astrologer. Okay. Um, when I first, I've been following um, horoscopes since as long as I can remember, but I went through kind of a, a dark night of the soul beginning in 2010, um, and it lasted for a couple of years. And when I turned to astrology to really dig into the fullness of my own chart to figure out what was going on with me, I was listening to um, other astrologers who were talking about the nuts and bolts of the astrology, like the planets and, and what they textbook mean when they're transiting or when they're hitting your chart. Um, and at the end of listening to almost everyone, I ended up feeling like, I understand everything you're saying. I mean, I understand the mechanics, but what are you really trying to say? Like, is this, are you talking about anxiety? Are we talking about, um, a wave hitting us? What, what, what do you mean? And, um, and so at some point I stopped listening to other people and I started reading in my own way. And at first that was me, um, pairing astrology aspects with art. I would have, um, works of art matched with the astrology to convey how I thought that energy felt because it got closer to it than words could. Um, were they, were they works of art that you created? No, no, they were, I, it was, uh, other people's works of art, which Mm -hmm. ended up, um, ended up being, um, how I ended up doing my own 100% my own original work. Um, for a while, it was other people's art matched with my, matched with the astrology, um, and then people at, said, you know, I I see what you're doing, but can, can you add your own words too? Because I really want to know more about this. And when I started to do that, when I started to write more and more, it took off. But I I knew I knew that I was hiding a little bit behind the art, and I knew it wasn't my art. And um. And then in March of this last year, I got called on it. I got called on, hey, you're using other people's art and this isn't you. And I was forced to completely rework what I was doing and, and was forced to 100 percent 
stand behind my own interpretation and my own channeling really of what I felt like, no, what I know the intent of the astrology is for the collective on any given day. And since March, it's been 100% a coupling between me and spirit uh, talking to the collective. That's so neat. So <laughs> just recently we had an astrologer on the podcast. And prior to that, I didn't really have any great knowledge or uh, I guess base of information or knowledge to draw from other than just you know, generic stuff that I kind of knew about astrology. Um, but one of the questions that I asked him, and I'm going to ask you the same question mm -hmm. when it comes, because from my understanding of it, like you said, you can kind of really go through and learn the nuts and the bolts and the specifics and the definitions and the understandings of, you know, each planet represents this. And when they're in alignment with that, this is what that means. And kind of really look at it from, I don't want to say a book learning type perspective, but mm -hmm. kind of, from, you know, more of that type of angle. And, um, mm -hmm. for you, do you bring like that intuitive connection to that space. It kind of sounds like you do, obviously. Well, I would be making things up if I didn't know the nuts and bolts. <laughs> I, <laughs> and nobody wants that. Um, so um, I would really be, I would be a charlatan if I was out there um, acting like I'm just putting my feelings out there and not really understanding what the astrology is. So it's both. I have to know the mechanics of what's happening or I have no voice in the astrology realm at all. I shouldn't be talking about it at all. Um, and I feel that way about other people. If you really don't understand the aspects, you need to back off and study more. But I know what I'm talking about. I Every time this kind of channeled spirit message comes through every day, I go back over it four or five, six times and make sure it matches up exactly with the mechanics of what's happening in the astrology so that I can stand behind my word. I don't want to have to say, well, it's just what I think or whatever. No, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, it, I would lose credibility and it wouldn't resonate because I really am talking about the energy that the collective is under. If I was just making stuff up, none of it would resonate with anyone, you know? So, so tell me what the collective is from your perspective, from your understanding, because I think um, I have a good idea, but. Well, uh, at the most basic level, it's humanity. Um, all of humanity is under the same sky constantly. Um, but it goes beyond that. Um, we, we all have our higher selves and we have guides. We have um, the higher realms that are in our favor. And um, quite frankly, it gets even more expanded than that. All of our all of our all of our incarnations are happening at the same time, kind of in a spiral. And all of our charts are interacting with each other. So it gets more and more complex and, and kind of esoteric the more you get into it. But the collective is literally the collective, the oneness of everything. I like that. How long have you been? <laughs> I, always, <laughs> I always get a crack out of all the different labels and the ways that we kind of describe it. And it's really fun on this podcast because everybody's got their own um, thing. But how long have you been um, like a spiritual hippie type person involved in the realm of all of this kind of stuff? Um, to, to some degree, I've always been this way. And it's, uh, I, I don't think this is uncommon. I had a traumatic childhood. And so I had to look outside of my um, nuclear family for influence and for guidance and for role models and to try and find an answer somewhere that resonated with me. And so always, I would say, and, and really, I would go past my childhood. I'm a, part of my belief system is in, um, and, and having past lives or future lives or multiple lives, however you want to see it. 
And I think that I'm, I think the, the core soul of me is this way. Um, but, uh, how long have I been doing this specifically? How long have I dived well, like, into well, it? Like how long have you been aware of it? Cause I agree with you. I think for the most part, well, I don't think for the most part, I think everybody is, you know, um, connected to that universal flow of energy that we all kind of stem from. And then some of us have awareness of it or choose to make ourselves aware of it. Um, and then others don't, but how long have you kind of, you know, been practicing or been aware of it or been kind of consciously in that space as opposed to unconsciously just moving through life? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I, again, I would say always, but I think, I think where the differentiation happened is when I started to put myself out there because we all do things in private and private practices to get through life. But at one point, do I own something and make it and, and really acknowledge that I'm in the hands of something bigger than me and to be of service and to put my, to really put myself out there in a, in a vulnerable yet powerful place. And that only began for me in 2014. It's only been two years. So you talked about <laughs> in 2010, kind of mm -hmm. a darkness, a period of time that you went through where you kind of had to deal with a whole bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, what happened if you don't mind sharing it? No, I don't mind. Um, I, I had, uh, been married for 10 years and it was, I think other people can relate to this. It was essentially a 10 year divorce. And I looked up one day and I said, I, I'm living someone else's life. I feel like I'm a guest in my own life and I can't do this anymore. It's killing my, it's killing my spirit. It really is. And I had a, a three-year-old at the time, and I had decided that in his best interest, I wasn't willing to just endure a life that's not mine anymore. I had to start thinking about his life. And so um, I got a divorce, and immediately after that, I got back with an ex-boyfriend who I had known uh, from high school or whatever, and that wasn't an entirely intelligent move on my part. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, I, so that was, uh, that was three years with a, with a, a very, a very dark soul. And that ended in 2013. And when that ended in 2013, um, I, I was left with me and me. And I really had to face the fact that whatever is not serving my highest purpose is, will continue to be taken from me. And I fought against that for a long time before I realized there are, there's, there's a greater force of life that's really working in my favor and I need to stop fighting it. If I'll let it tear down what is not good for me, um, I'm, I'm not in suffering anymore. I'm a participant in life. And so I let it, I started to let it take, I let it take away everything that was harming me and I let myself be guided forward. And uh, honestly, I, I did not plan on being an astrologer. I, I was saying all the time, I'm not an astrologer. I'm not an astrologer. And people were like, please take my money and read my chart. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not, no. <laughs> and it's just taken on a life of its own. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm going to evolve from here too. I can already feel it coming. Once you go down the life of purpose, once you stop resisting what is, once you stop resisting what life is trying to show you, you're in the hands of something that you can't turn away from anymore. You turn your life over to something greater and you kind of melt into the oneness of life and, and you're just like, wow, I'll go anywhere, anywhere this takes me. I'm open, you know? I do know. I think that's one of the, um, I think that's one of the reasons or one of the sticking points that people get in 
or one of the places where people get stuck, where there's many places where people get stuck, but where we think that we only have one thing in life that we do or one profession or one job. And that's kind of not just how we identify and define ourselves, but also like, um, we just limit ourselves to that. Even if we realize that this is a job I'm going to take and I'm only going to be there for two years or five years or whatever the case may be, maybe six months, but we don't really in that space allow for anything else to come in. And I think it's important to, you know, continually allow for things to come in and continually be in that space where you, like you said, kind of like once you get into that flow of things, you just let it go and see where it, we'll see where it takes you. Right. And I, and, and that's understandable that we feel that way, that we're like, okay, now I'm an architect and I'm going to be an architect because that's the culture that we're coming out of. It's the old paradigm that's falling away now where you're identified by what you produce or you're identified by what you produce for other people. And that's no, that's no, that's not the world we live in anymore. It's going to take some adjustment, an adjustment period for people to, to get used to that. But we evolve constantly and we're not singular anymore. The, the, what the, the real commodity in, in the future that we see ahead of us, it's not about what we produce or what we produce for other people. It's how much we are giving of ourselves. And I don't mean selfless giving. We have to have our, our cup filled back up again. But I mean, how much are you willing to let go of what your ego wants and to really be like, I want what, and I know this is like the three letter word that people don't like to talk about very often, but I want what God wants. Um, I think that God is making a renaissance in that now it's now the goddess is present. And so I think that people are going to find that they're more willing to give themselves over to um, give themselves over to a greater force of life where both the divine masculine and divine feminine are in balance again. And where we are once again safe and at home and we can trust it. Does that make sense? Am I rambling? <laughs> no, you're not rambling at all. It totally makes okay. sense. <laughs> So do you believe in God? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I think the reason why people don't like to speak of the, the three-letter word God is because organized religion has um, really beaten it to death and bastardized it. Um, but the great – so I – and I think that that's starting to happen with the word spirit. I'm not resonating with the word spirit that much anymore. I feel like that's been taken over and, and abused. Um, I've been using the phrase the greater force of life. That seems to resonate more with me right now. Um, the collective resonates with me. I think that it's, I th but I think that's natural. I think anytime we get into labels that, that make, that put cages around things or make things seem singular or authoritative, then we should all question it and be like, mm, no, this doesn't feel good at all. Especially since we're approaching the age of Aquarius where we cannot be thinking in duality or singular or um, linear or reductive turns anymore. It's going gonna, it's gonna to bust wide open very soon, so we need to get used to it. So the age of Aquarius, um, I've heard that mentioned a lot. We've talked about it on the podcast before with previous guests, and I'm sure people out there listening have probably heard that phrase or that term or that reference. Um, describe it for me as best as you can so somebody out there understands what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> well, um, Literally, it's our solar system uh, in the um, in the procession of the equinoxes, moving from the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius. The age of Pisces, I believe, I if I'm wrong about this, I'm absolutely willing to be called out on it. I believe the age of Pisces has lasted 2,000 years, um, and now we're shifting into the age of Aquarius. But the the 
the the outer planets in as as in when you see the entire sign in a sky like all of Pisces or all of Aquarius it takes a while to travel from one sign to the next I mean I think that there's a window uh, I mean I think there's a window anywhere from 50 to 200 years where we shift from one sign to the next but we just passed a threshold where our solar system is to the point of no return. It was at 12-21-12, December 21st, 2012, where it also happened to be the end of the Mayan calendar. It was the galactic, sh- galactic shift when we, when our solar system went from below the galactic plane to above it. Um, and we came out of the darkest 2000 years of our orbit from our sister star Sirius, where literally we are coming out of suffering. We're coming out of the age of Pisces that's about religion and about authority. And we're coming into the age of Aquarius, where Aquarius, if you're familiar with astrology, is um, it's more detached than Pisces, meaning that it's visionary. Uh, Aquarius is an air sign, so it's it's more intellect and it's more pulled back and long-term vision where Pisces is, is water, it's deeply feeling, and it, uh, it connects on an emotional level. Aquarius is going, going to be innovative, radical, visionary, and extremely humanitarian, meaning that it won't be about the singular person anymore. You're going to have to give up your ego or you're going to be in pain. You're going to have to understand that we are really, like, actually all in this together. We literally are one. So I think in the age of Aquarius, it's good. you're going to see things like technology is going to uh, cure epidemics. You're going to see um, a, a massive influx of information from other planets. It's going to get wild. It's going to get it's going to get wild. And at first, people won't know what to do with it because we're not used to it. I mean, 2,000 years of Pisces. It's going to take probably a couple hundred years before we get used to the age of Aquarius. But people on the on the breaking edge of it are going to are going to start going. Okay, well. Here's what we need to face. First of all, we've hurt ourselves as humans. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the root of the first wave of work that we have to do as humans. We've hurt each other, and we have to fix it. That's really fascinating. <laughs> um, that was a lot. Did I blow you out? <laughs> no, 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 no. You didn't blow me out at all. It's, I mean, <laughs> as I sit, because anytime I sit and ponder the stars and ponder the planets and the universe and all the expansiveness of everything that's out there, I always think about. Um, how much we know and then how very, very, very little we know. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of fascinating to me to think of all the new discoveries that are happening. Do you know what I mean? Right. Uh, just it seems like every other week or, you know, there's constantly new stuff that is coming out in ways that we're expanding and ways that we're reaching out there into the universe and all that kind of stuff. But I want to get your take on something because this is something that's, I mean, this is just my, <laughs> that's the benefit of being the host of the podcast as I get asked whatever the hell I want to ask. But um, recently I've been thinking about, because people talk about global warming, right? And uh, cycles that our planet will naturally have anyways, where we've gone through ice ages and we've gone through all these different things that we've kind of, uh, the planet itself has experienced. And this concept or idea that somehow we are you know, that global warming exists, that it's a thing. I do believe that. I'm not one of those people mm-hmm. that thinks that it's it's all a conspiracy. I don't think it's a conspiracy by any means. Mm-hmm. But um, are we speeding up that process or are we just um, kind of a natural cause of the process? Does that make sense? Maybe that's a stupid question. 
No, that's not a stupid question. Are you are you asking if we're speeding up the process of our discoveries about global warming, or are we speeding up global warming? Um, kind of like the 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 destruction of the planet. So if I sit and think about it, um, and the way that you know we can go back in history and time and pull and pull like ice core samples and things like that and see uh, the state of the planet at certain time periods, um, it kind of appears that we're always continually in a cycle. Um, the planet itself, where it'll go from, you know, these big, huge extremes. And granted, they take thousands of years to happen. But are we just in that natural flow of the planet's regular cycle? Or did we kind of um, jumpstart it in a sense? No, I mean, the Industrial Revolution absolutely started to speed it up. I, I don't think there's any avoidance of that. I don't think how you can, I don't, I mean, if you look back at the footage of, um, I don't, I don't know how you old, how old you are. I'm, I'm 43. So like I, I was pre-internet. We used to watch old black and white, uh, footage of the industrial revolution where they were just pumping out smoke like crazy. And, um, absolutely we've sped it up, but I do not think that we, I don't think we're, we're past the point of the demise of humanity and mother earth actually going all the way down. There was a time again, in the last 2000 years during the darkest part of our orbit from our sister star Sirius, where that was up in the air that we might actually destroy ourselves. We're past that point. Um, I, I think that we're going to see lots of threats because what is being dismantled, meaning the old paradigm paradigm of destroying the earth, destroying our dignity, destroying our love and respect for each other, that's being torn down and, and therefore it's very apparent right now. And so there's going to be, I think, a fear that we're that we're going to hell in a handbasket. But that's not what's happening. It's being dismantled. You're going to see a rapid, rapid, rapid healing of what we've done to each other and the Earth once we get to Saturn and Pluto in Aquarius. I mean, I'm talking about desalination of the oceans that we can use water more efficiently. Uh, it's uh, different sources of energy. It's curing diseases so that there's not as much dependency on big, big pharmaceuticals. It's you're going to see when, whenever Uranus goes into Taurus, which is coming up about the same time, you're going to see an overhaul of how we grow food and how we feed ourselves and each other. Um, the monetary system is going to be overhauled. All of it. It's rapidly rapidly coming in so yes we have done that but we are for the i just i i i don't know how to explain it in a way that i can i feel like i can get through to people but it's coming and it's coming in fast and for some people they're not meant to participate in it but if you are on the pushing edge of a visionary future here it comes here we go you if you feel like you've been being prepared for something you are correct and here it comes. I mean, I would say that you're already in it and you're going to you're going to see it. You're going to see it in your face as of this February 10th. I mean, it's coming in rapidly. What happens on February 10th? Uh, the next eclipse season starts and uh, usually uh, the eclipses happen um, around around March and September. Uh, it depends. The seasons are different depending on what part of the world you're in. But they're, they're called the bringers of change. And they bring in such massive change, such fundamental change, that while we're in the eclipses, it kind of feels like, oh, my God, what's happening? Um, and then it takes six months for us to acclimate that energy before the next eclipses start. Well, the 
these these last eclipses that happen in September, October, there's only four months until the next eclipses start. So it's October to February. And we've had um, aspects that we have just that, that we that we're coming out of now with this last full moon with sun crossing Saturn. I know I'm totally nerding out and how I'm talking. No nerd out. That's good stuff. <laughs> but we, it, it really is getting down to the wire of what do you truly believe? The culmination of the eclipses from 2016 and this last full moon that we just got out of essentially boils down to this. What do you truly believe? Are you the walking wounded or are you the walking healed? Which is it? If you're going to stay in your woundedness, then that's going to be your reality. You can stay there. But I can tell you, and the astrology will tell you, that that's only half the story. The wounding is merely the setup. You, We are meant to have the legacy of healing. We're meant to be the walking healed. That's our legacy in the long view. And so if you get bogged down into, oh my God, I'm so wounded. Well, okay, then you're going to take a little bit longer because you're kind of stuck in that. But if you can look at it as the woundedness is the setup for us to learn how to heal ourselves and have that be our true legacy, then you're going to enter into a completely different, um, uh, a different way of showing up in the world. That uh, I, I can, I, I'll tell you that we're coming out of suffering now, so you're going to see an old paradigm being dismantled, and it's going to look like mass chaos, mass confusion, and it's going to look like, oh my God, I don't know if we can get through this. It's going to look like uh, Donald Trump is our president. Uh huh. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry to say that uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. It's gonna. There's more coming. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 I think that we're being my 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 belief, my true belief, and my understanding is that we're coming out of suffering, and we must understand that we are the rising, we are the replacement. And we, when we witness the massive dismantling that's beginning now and is going to continue, when we witness that dismantling, we have to not participate in it because it's happening with or without our participation. And to stand back, let it come down, and really say, we are the rising, we are the replacement. So I have a question for you. Okay. <clears throat> so you work with people a lot, right? You, so you'll read people's charts and you'll work with people in, different, in a variety of different ways and things like that. Mm-hmm. This is something else that I've been pondering because a lot of times I think when we work with clients, you'll see not necessarily common themes, but a lot of people have stemmed from trauma, have come mm-hmm. through experiences that were very, um, you know, just shitty childhoods and shitty upbringings. Mm-hmm. And it's always a sliding scale where sometimes they're worse than others. But I, what, I don't even know if I can articulate this in some form of question or thought that makes any sense, but... If you think about the generation of people that exist now on this planet and the generation of people that, um, you know, anywhere from the age of like 20 to 50 or 20 to 60 or something like that, like a 40 year gap of people, maybe even 30 to 60, I think that they have somewhat of a unique experience. It seems to me like there's always a lot of common, a lot of commonalities in people like that. Granted, we're generalizing to a certain extent, but so if you think back even further, so you think of other generations like you know, our grandparents' generations or something like that. Granted, they would have experienced a lot of chaos and a lot of um, trauma and, you know, all sorts of different experiences as well. It's not unique to this generation that exists now. But I think that the difference is that this generation that exists now, and, you know, even if we think about people, I'm I'm rambling now, but if we think about people that are uh, 
like 60 years or younger, maybe even 65 years or younger, they want more. They want um, to heal those things from their past as opposed to feel like they just have to carry on and move through it. Like, Mm -hmm. this is my baggage. I have to, you know, pick myself up from the bootstraps and just continue on and continue to bury all of it. And it seems like there's um, a shift where people are wanting to shed all of that stuff and get rid of that baggage and be done with those experiences because they feel or see or have a draw or a pull to so much more. Right. Why? (laughs) That's my quite like thought I have is it's like, why has it taken us, you know, however long, uh, you know, intelligent life has existed to a certain extent and civilization has existed kind of in the current state that it's in. Why has it taken us this long to this point? Because had we been able to heal trauma Mm -hmm. at a much earlier point in civilization, then we wouldn't be dealing with it now. Does that make sense? Because obviously those cycles just repeat themselves. Right. It totally makes sense. (laughs) Um, There's uh, there are a few answers to that. Okay. Um, First of all, when I say we're coming out of suffering, let let me define suffering. Suffering is holding on to uh, something that hurts and not letting it go. And so there's been uh, there's been about 2000 years of deep suffering, meaning that before before 2000 years ago it was more than 2000 years ago but the what there was a great fall of atlantis and in that fall and, and any souls who were present for that were so deeply traumatized that that they weren't able to come back into incarnations for a while it was like massive group therapy for a while because nobody could function and and once once people were able to function again, then incarnations could resume. Um, and and incarnations had to resume because you can't heal a human wound outside of being human. And so 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 incarnations began again, but it kind of coincided with us entering into the darkest, the darkest point or the furthest point of our orbit from Sirius. And the further we are from Sirius, the, the, the less, the, the lower our consciousness level. And so when we started coming back in, we also, a little bit after that, um, relatively speaking, started entering into deep suffering. And during that deep suffering, it essentially said in very broad terms, okay, going back to Atlantis, this, this wound happened. Something happened to me. And our ego has said, I'm going, our ego has held onto that and has been repeating it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, over many lifetimes, thinking that if it can, if your ego can just change one thing about that woundedness, then it can undo the wounding and therefore you won't be hurt. So if I can act different, be different, talk different, be with different people, switch it up, be the oppressor instead of the victim, all kinds of stuff, trying all kinds of things to undo the wounding. And, and that's darkness. That's, that's true darkness to be so head first into the woundedness that you identify with it, that you form like a deeply romantic relationship with the woundedness, like you and me forever. We're going to do this forever. And, and, and now coming out of suffering and coming out of darkness, it's like, oh, my ego has actually been keeping my suffering alive. 
my ego has been fighting the wrong fight. And so it's a realization of stop, stop, stop doing that. Stop doing that. But you can't do that until we come, until we rounded that bend of the orbit away from Sirius and started heading back towards home where we have more light available to us. And light is information. It's just information. When we're so far from information that we don't, we're just in complete void. We just sit there in the void and try and play with the void and think we can change the void. You can't. But once we have an influx of information again, now we're like, I tell you what, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to be heart led, not heart deprived. I'm going to tell my ego to stand down and have the chalice, the receiving end of the femininity set the agenda. And now my ego can, can only bring back what I'm going to receive. I'm going to release myself from suffering. And so you'll see, you'll see, uh, as far as this generation that's alive right now, uh, it comes down to Pluto. Pluto's the generational planet. Pluto will come into a sign and it, it takes a whole generation and cuts them all the way to the bone. And that certain, in that one sign takes them down to the bone until they're on their knees and then resurrects them, resurrects them until they become experts in that area. And, uh, and I, Pluto was in Virgo in 1957, 57 to 50, 57 to 72, something like that, 1957 to 72. So the people a little bit older than, than me, uh, they were Pluto and Virgo and their whole deal was, um, was that Virgo is about being present and, and in, in the everyday presence of our life. And, and really that, that, that the, the healing goddess energy, uh, which translates, Virgo translates to rain. We can bring rain down upon where there's drought and, and heal anything. But first we have to look at the actual reality that we're in. And so when you're coming out of the 1950s, when, uh, the, the attitude was everything's perfect, everything's fine. Um, it, Pluto and Virgo came in and said, everything's not perfect. Everything's not fine. There's things like racism. There's classism. There's, um, abuse happening. There's war. There's famine. And so that's when the sixties started taking off and saying, we're going to rip up the carpet and look all the way under here and really address the really gnarly things that are going on that nobody wants to talk about. And then after that, it was Pluto and Libra. I'm Pluto and Libra generation person where, um, we had to completely redefine how we relate with each other that giving and receiving in relationships was completely out of balance. And we've had to drop all the cages, drop all the walls, and let people be able to breathe and grow and keep the sacredness between us. Not not people put people in cages, but keep sacredness between us to allow energy to breathe and grow. And now we're looking at Pluto and Scorpio uh, people coming of age now, where they're entering into their, they're, they're becoming adults now, and I don't know if you're familiar with Scorpio energy, but it's hardcore. And you get Pluto, which rules Scorpio. In Scorpio, you're going to see massive, extreme teardowns before Pluto and Scorpio generation people start to say, we have the ability to transform upward, not just destroy, but to transform upward like the Phoenix. And that's what we're looking at now. Oh my goodness. That's a lot of that, information as well. I, did I blow you at that time? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, for me, it's just like, because I completely understand what you're saying to a certain extent, right? Granted, I don't have the background in astrology and the, and the deeper understanding of kind of the way that the planets and the spin of everything has affected us on, on all those different levels. But I just always find it fascinating um, 
how long it takes for people to heal, how long it takes for people to move through things. Do you know what I mean? And I, part of me understands it. And then part of me doesn't like, I don't, I don't understand why it takes people so long to get over their shit or to let things go, even when they are incredibly traumatic and, you know, detrimental. Can I challenge you on that? Of course. Okay. Uh, because I've been facing the same thing. And so this is a wonderful time to talk about it. I have been, um, you know, I do this work all the time and I'm seeing people choose differently than what I've been telling them they need to choose. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm like, Oh my God, what are you doing? I told you what to do. And they're not <laughs> doing it. <laughs> but, um, but I've, I've really had to look at myself. If you're seeing something in the world, it's present within you. And so if, if like, I'll take myself, for example, if I'm looking at someone choosing to stay with the dismantling and not with the rising, and I feel panicked about that and say, no, 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 like something's wrong with it, then it's because I haven't forgiven my own well. I haven't come to peace with my own downfall. If I was at peace with myself, I could watch someone go through a process and be like, they're going to figure it out. It's okay. And so I would, I, I think I would challenge you to really look at where, where you're like, oh, why is it taking so long? Where maybe you've spent a long time trying to get out of your own deep, dark well, or where maybe you feel responsible for people and you shouldn't. You're responsible for yourself. And, or maybe where you feel disappointed by people when really all roads are holy, all of them. Well, that's definitely a good reminder. All roads are holy. I like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and totally agree with you. I'm totally in that space where, um, you know, I'll go through my own cycles and in my own journey and experience of healing and, you know, feeling like you're falling backwards and getting stuck again and all these things. I mean, I totally am in that space to a certain extent where, I mean, cause I always think it's a practice. That's one thing that I, I mean, if there's one thing that I probably preach too much is, is, you know, life in general and all the different aspects of kind of healing and moving and evolving it's just a practice. It's just that experience of continually um, kind of making the conscious choice to show up and, you know, do the work and practice whatever it is that you need to in order to uh, perpetually move forward, I guess, in a sense. I just, yeah. <laughs> so you're right on, obviously. I mean, you're spot on in regards to that, you know, that's kind of my mindset and that's kind of where I'm at. But at the same time, you know, I think it's, if you look at, because I always try to look at big picture stuff where, you know, so you say, for example, we've been in this experience or whatever the case may be, like Pisces for the past 2000 years. And it's this experience of, I don't know if necessarily you said darkness, but kind of that, uh -huh. um, that time period. I mean, that's a long ass time, even though if we think about time in general and the, you know, how long the planet's been spinning, it's a blink of an eye. It's not even a blink of an eye, but that's a long time to move through something. Uh -huh. I think the neat thing too, though, um, cause I see this as well, where, you know, I even look at my own kids and the way that I have cycles and patterns from my parents and I can see how they have those from their parents and so on and forth and so forth. But what's neat is to see that some of those patterns, granted, some are still kind of lingering and present in my children, but uh -huh. so many of them aren't. So many of them are kind of broken. And hopefully I think that, you know, the newer generation of people that are coming into their space of existence probably vibrate higher, probably see things from a far different perspective and won't necessarily get stuck in the, uh, 
all those old patterns and behaviors and kind of minutia that the rest of us have been stuck in for a while? Well, I think, I think it's important to recognize that right now, um, I, again, I don't know how old you are, but I, you're at least, you're at least out of your twenties, I think. I'm 35. But, okay. So we're, we're pretty close in age, but, um, I think that it's important to recognize that we're tired. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I you know, am very tired. So we're, we're tired. Like, oh my God, please, nobody has to go through this again. <laughs> but if if you hadn't gone through that, if you hadn't gone through your own suffering, you wouldn't have the richness of perspective and empathy that you do now. And so when you look at other people and go, oh my gosh, I hope they don't have to go through what I've been through, recognize that they won't have the depth that you have if they don't. They need to go through something to learn what they're not, to be fully in ownership of what they are and to be able to look at other people who are struggling and see the beauty in them. It, I, I mean, I, I can easily look at someone in the pit of the gutter and see the beauty of them easily because I've been there and I know that I know what it feels like to feel like, um, that you're cast out, that you're forgotten, that you're not good enough that you're going to hell or that you're cursed or you are darkness or you're the enemy or whatever. And none of that is true. And we, we need to, we need to not wish away our suffering. You know, we, we want to pull out of it and learn from it. But I, I think that the further we move along, uh, when you feel the enormity of, 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 of the fullness, whenever you, come into the rising, I think that as you continue to rise, you look back on suffering and you say, oh my God, thank you. Oh my God. There's no, I would do it over a thousand times to experience this becoming. Maybe like 950 times, not a thousand. (laughs) (laughs) I'd shave a few off. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'll go with you on that. (laughs) So I want to go back a little bit because you brought up Atlantis a couple of times. So I want to get your take on it. I want to get your perspective of what you think. Oh, oh, okay. Whether it's some mystical uh, fantasy place that somebody wrote about long ago and we still talk about or an actual okay. legitimate civilization and society. So I don't know if you've noticed, but whenever I talk, I talk about it like it's fact. So this is fact. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Atlantis, um, Atlantis uh, started to come, Atlantis was a product of our closest point to our orbit around Sirius. So right when we're at Sirius. So our orbit goes right at Sirius and then goes way far out. What is Sirius? Sirius is our sister star. Uh, we're a binary star system. So our sun and Sirius, our sun revolves around Sirius S I R I U S. So we go very close and right around Sirius, and then we almost get like uh, catapulted out way down into the depths. And then we come back around right around Sirius, right near it, and that's our highest consciousness. And it's the highest consciousness that nobody of us, nobody can really remember. I don't think we can remember all of it. It's like, it's like where we don't even have to talk. Like we understand each other intuitively, and we understand all of our expansiveness and our oneness, and there's no separation and all that stuff. When we, just like how in our darkest part of our orbit now, we're going back towards the light. When we, when we come around the bend of Sirius and we go back towards the darkest part of our orbit, we start to descend in consciousness. And so I want to say, 
and I, I need to ask my friend Amira Beth. She's really good at this. I, I want to say that it was, I want to say that it was 10,000 years back from now that the descent began in this current cycle. Um, but I'm not real sure on that. Anyway, um, Atlantis was formed out of that very high consciousness, um, when we were uh, near Sirius and it was, um, very advanced. Of course, this is whenever like mermaids existed and they would come out of the water and teach us stuff. I mean, it's like crazy stuff. You can't even imagine. <laughs> um, but then, um, as we got further from Sirius, um, the darkness crept in where we stopped holding ceremony, where we stopped respecting, um, the planet, where we started doing experiments on each other. I've, I've had sessions with or readings with lots of people who have deep wounds in Gemini, which is about the mind. And, um, I've gotten downloads for them where, They've had horrible experiments put on them, like around in whenever in the fall of Atlantis, they they were trying to take people with with very powerful minds and trying to harness it for themselves in like really screwed up experiments, like really digging into their brains. And so I know that sounds weird, but it got well, you think bad. about think about the things that we do today. I mean, you know, you look at right, some of the things that right. we do today it's and it would be viewed the an, same way. It's an echo of it. Exactly. It's an echo of it. So when, the, so when the darkness came in, uh, everybody has, everybody who was there and, uh, and most of them are back now for the rising. Everybody who was there really just like came to their senses too late that we had screwed it up. And, um, and there's a lot of trauma and guilt and shame that we let it fall, that we destroyed it, that we bastardized it. And so we've lived with that, um, that feeling and have been trying to undo the wounding since then. So no, I, uh, again, I state it like it's fact, but you can throw what I'm saying out the window if you want. But I, I think it's a, an, it's an actual fact that it's an advanced civilization that <clears throat> fell because we fell into darkness and we got lazy and we did horrible things to each other. And we've been that's been the root of our suffering the last 2000 years in particular. And, um, those very advanced souls who were there for the fall have earned their ticket now to be here on planet earth for the rising. So do you think that it was just one civilization on the planet at the time that, I mean, like we'll get super dorky about it. Right. And talk, like you said, talk about it like it's fact, even though we could throw it all out the window, just, just us, you know, imagining all of these different things. So one civilization on the planet at a time where there was tons of other civilizations and people that existed or, you know, one city located somewhere that we don't have access to anymore or whatever the case may be. What do you think? Uh, I think it's a landmass. I think it's a landmass and the people from there, not everybody fell. Some went to Egypt. I think some went to what is now South America, if I have this correctly, um, maybe into like the New Zealand area too. Like some people fled and they populated the world. So um, it's not like how we see the world now that, you know, we think that the world is our planet and our home, like we dominated and it hasn't always been that way. So I, I, I think it was, uh, it was, it was an energy. So it was, uh, it was Atlantis and Lumeria that were present at the same time. Atlantis was the masculine energy. Lemuria was a different, um, a different landmass and a different consciousness that was feminine. 
and they went to war together and, and went down. But people escaped from those different uh, uh, civilizations, colonizations, however you want to look at it, and, and populated the rest of the world from there. Do you think they went to war and that was the demise? I think it was ultimately the, the demise, and I think it's I think that's where um, the 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 suppression of the feminine started, because Atlantis overtook Lemuria, um, and that suppressed the feminine to the point of being you know quote conquered, and Atlantis was the masculine who and and that masculine energy kept spreading destruction outward, and we're feeling the 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 after effects of that now, and and. And now the feminine has been re the goddess is present again. The feminine is coming back home again and we're having to rebalance it as it was before we started turning on each other. So like 10, 12,000 years ago, there was a mass extinction or a mass extinction level type. <laughs> well, it's not extinction because a lot of people were able to escape. Yes. Yes. A lot of people survived during that time period, but, um, I don't think that this is my take on it. And uh, take it for whatever it's worth, right? Obviously, I'm not a scholar. I have no background mm -hmm. in studying ancient civilizations of whatever the case may be. But I think that I agree with you. For, for, for the most part, I think it's a certain time period um, where we were highly advanced as a civilization. I think that for the most part, it was um, not necessarily... <sighs> Let me think how to describe it. So if, I, if we'll just look at our world today in the way that society exists and how we have all this technology, right? We have the ability to not just travel to the moon and land on the moon, but we can send a robot to Mars and all these different things that we can do today. And at the exact same time that that's taking place, we also still have cultures and civilizations that exist on this planet that are still hunters and gatherers that mm -hmm. are still living in mud huts. And, um, so I think for me personally, I think during the time period of Atlantis and those higher civilizations that existed, I think it's very similar to way to the way of life that we live now and exist now where we feel like we're incredibly advanced to a certain extent, even though we can see some folly in that. Um, but there's still civilizations that aren't or what we would deem that aren't, even though they're probably way more connected to the earth than we are. And then I think that there was some sort of um, like an ice age or a massive catastrophic, you know, environmental thing that took place that wiped out massive amounts of the population and civilization as well as remnants of that so that we don't really have the ability to go back and discover, you know what I mean, what existed during that time period because it was wiped out. But of course, people still survived in some form of humans and civilization lingered on we just don't have a real clear reckoning or understanding of what it was i think that's uh, a very brilliant thing to point out sincerely because um one of the one of the not only do we have a lot of shame and guilt in the collective that has played out in deep suffering for a long time after that happened up until now we also have a lot of arrogance and so a lot of arrogance would say, you know, we, we were so enlightened as if we were the only people that existed. Um, maybe we weren't all that enlightened if we fell that, fell that far into darkness. And maybe we weren't the only ones here. And furthermore, um, you know, there's, I'm sure you, pr you probably feel it in your everyday life. When something bad happens, you're like, it's probably my fault. 
Like, well, maybe it has nothing to do with you. <laughs> you know, like maybe, maybe just like you said, you know, maybe we are arrogant enough to think that the quote fall is all our fault when it's a cycle. And, and to really take on that either we're the absolute best or the absolute worst is narcissistic. Like calm down, you know? Well, it's like that whole thing of we always think we're super important. And the reality is, I mean, we are super important. Granted, everybody is incredibly important in the intricate spin of the universe and all these ways that things are connected. But at the same time, we're a very, very, very small speck. And mm -hmm. not just the individual, but culture, our planet, society as a whole, when you look mm -hmm. at the universe. Yeah, I agree. And um, I'll, I'll take it down to the micro level. I, I know that I, I feel like my mission in this incarnation is to usher in the end of suffering. And I often say, I don't care if I have to do it with my own two hands. I'm going to remain on that mission. And then sometimes I'm like, uh, you want to check yourself. You're special, but not that special. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> and see, I think too, like if we, so if we sit and think and ponder about, um, or daydream probably about Atlantis and all the different technology that took place and the way that, because when you get into the realm of spirituality and kind of the metaphysical and the, um, all those different type of uh, thought processes and cultures and whatever we want to call it or, or communities maybe um, they get really deep into the um, dogma surrounding Atlantis mm -hmm. and all the different aspects. And, and I like that. I have fun kind of in that space, but I don't necessarily uh, get too crazy with it. Not that I think any of it's crazy. I just don't spend a lot of time, mm -hmm. but I think that we have this concept in our head where if we had this massive amount of technology where we were able to, like you said, you know, read each other's thoughts to a certain extent and know what people are thinking and have all of this really heightened level of existence that somehow we would have managed to figure out how to stop something from happening, whether it was war that ended it or some, you know, catastrophic event that took place on the planet or like we would somehow with that information, with that knowledge, be able to ascend to some other level or something where we wouldn't have to worry about the near extinction of the planet or of the, of humans. And I think, you know, I always bring it back to the present, like we're really, really technologically advanced today and we still suck and we're like miserable at a whole bunch of things. <laughs> and so you can, you know, people can, if we, if we were to go back a thousand years and people would look at our civilization today, they would just be floored at the things that we can do. But yet there's still so much that we can't do and so much that we, you know, fail to do. Like even just communication, everybody has stopped actually calling and talking to people or, you know, if you've got to talk to your neighbor rather than going next door and knocking on the door, you're going to send them a text or whatever the case may be. So, well, I think that's the trap, right? That's an echo of the, our, what well, like this, it's an echo of the current, um, emergence from suffering that the fall revolved around technology. And so now that we have technology again, what are we going to do? Because there, there's, there's actual, this is not spiritual community, actual scientific um, papers being written that are getting a lot of press about how very possible that our advancement in specifically nanotechnology and in, uh, in AI and artificial intelligence, that we could get so good at it that it overtakes us and destroys the world. And so here we are again. What are we going to do? So I think that advancement 
has to stop being seen as a technology deal. That the more advanced we are, we um, honor the earth better, that we're deeply connected, that we're more cooperative, that we can find a way to heal ourselves by tapping into the greater technology of the universe rather than machinations. I recently had this discussion with my wife in regards to AI. So like this idea, this concept that somehow if we create uh, robots or some sort of artificial intelligence that somehow becomes sentient and can you know completely operate free from any control of a human, because uh, that's kind of what we're working towards, right? Like you're getting closer and closer and closer to it in science and um, it's really fascinating. For me, I'm all for it. But I think that we take mm -hmm. our mindset and our way of processing information and emotion and everything like that and apply it to a robot. And we think that somehow if they become sentient and completely separate from, uh, you know, no longer needing some sort of programmer or control, that they're going to somehow want to take over. <laughs> Excuse me. <sighs> and I don't think that's the case because I think that that's, I think that's our inclination as man or what we... I think we're taking our processing and applying it to something that wouldn't even remotely close, you know, a robot's not going to have the desire to somehow rule the world or control the planet. My guess is, I don't think that, I just don't think they would. I think that's our way of understanding or processing or thinking even. And if we were somehow able to create AI to the level where, you know, they could almost start creating themselves as well, because I think that's part of the progression where if we create something, then it in turn is going to create something. But I don't think that whatever we create would want to rule the world and kill man and take over. And I, I, I just think that's such a funny, you know, misguided well, concept. But think about the word you just used. You just said want. Like there's there's no technology that's going to want anything. Exactly. It's, it's, Right. Well, but if, if it's programmed to, uh, if it's programmed to, like, let's say nanotechnology that I think, I, I want to say Stephen Hawking has written about this, but I'm not really, I'm not 100% certain. So don't take that as a direct annotation. But, <laughs> um, I, I want to say it was him that said something about how if you develop nanotechnology that comes in, that has the intelligence to come into your body and to mend any kind of, uh, disease, disease or disorder that's going on in your body, like cancer, like can, it can go in and go into the cancer and remove it. Bam. Nanotechnology that that kind of intelligence within nano, not microorganisms, nanoorganisms, that that sense of that sense of divide and conquer, what they would learn from each other so quickly that it would just, it would take over everything. Like it would, it's not that it wants to destroy this laptop I'm talking into right now. It just would because it's programmed to take over anything that looks foreign. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I do. I see what you're saying. And I think that <laughs> I think we could probably sit and ponder and <laughs> discuss and argue and debate about all these wonderful things forever. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's fascinating. I think that, uh, you know, I mean, if we were, for me, I really think that when we think about Atlantis, we glorify it in a sense. And we think that it was like the epitome of, um, this higher consciousness, consciousness, uh, civilization that existed. And I think that it was probably really similar to the civilization that exists today. We just don't yeah. realize. 
I, yeah, and I and thank you for pointing that out, and I agree with you. Um, I think that I think that 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 might be a narrative we were fed. It's the whole narrative of once we were pure and now we are sinned. You know, I I think it sounds more like a story when really it could just be a cycle of life that happened and likely is. You know, it's not that once we were in God's favor and now we are in hell and we had to redeem ourselves. I don't buy that story for a second. I think, I, I mean, I probably think too much. I've been told that too often where I, you no, know, no. Well, I just need to like solidify my belief and go with it and stop pondering all these wonderful things. But no, 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 you're good. I, um, I think that when we look at the expansiveness of all that exists, the universe as a whole is obviously far greater than we can even begin to imagine. Mm-hmm. What happens here doesn't really matter. And it matters in the extent that, you know, we make it matter. It's important to us, the existence of life and why we're here and all of these different things. But when you take that in the big cosmic scheme, I think we play a very important role in that big cosmic scheme of stuff. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. You know, I I agree with you in that. um, I think it's important to recognize that we are not everything. Like, come on, let's get real. Um, that the, that it's not just one universe either. There are infinite universes. Exactly. So we can't even ra- fathom infinity. Right. So wrap your head around that. But at the same time, at the exact same time, if you're going to say that there is something called one, if there is a oneness, then even you, without you, our oneness is incomplete. You know what I mean? So down to the slightest, slightest, slightest smallness up to the vastness of it all. It is incomplete without everything. I totally agree. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Susan, I think I've stolen and taken up enough of your time. This is fun. It is is fun, fun. isn't it? Right? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, Gosh, I don't even know if we got into everything that I wanted to kind of talk to you about. I always have ideas in the back of my mind, but it's always fun to see where it goes. So, um, what's the best way for people to reach out and connect with you and contact you if they need to? Uh, my, my website is, uh, susangrace.org. And on there you can book one-on-one time with me. I do uh, singular appointments where I read your natal chart, or I also do a series of four readings where we go into all kinds of charts. There's a chart for your soul. There's your progress chart. There's a, a solar, re- your solar return. And we dig all the way down deep into your ancient woundedness and bring you all the way back out of it so that you can go forward in present time. So there's, there's both of those. You can get an hour with me or you can get four weeks with me. Um, so that's susangrace.org. Um, on social media, my, my, my astrology page is facebook.com slash Susan Grace Astro. And on that page, I, I give out to the collective my daily reads on the energy that we're all under. Uh, my personal page is also, it's under Susan Grace, but the Facebook address is facebook.com slash double scorp, double S-C-O-R-P, because I'm a double Scorpio. Um, and on there, I have more of my own voice. I talk a lot about uh, what's coming through for me as an empath and as a channel. And you can hear me talk about my therapist too. <laughs> <laughs> All kinds of stuff. So, and I'm on Instagram too under Susan Grace. Wonderful. Thank you so much. 
Um, you still got a couple minutes, right? Because I have another question that just popped into my head if you've got time. Okay, great. So way back earlier, I don't remember how long ago in our conversation, you talked about past lives. Mm -hmm. So I have this like, this just keeps itching at me and every opportunity that I get and kind of when it comes up, I talk to people about it on the podcast. But in my thinking and my understanding, I think past lives are bullshit. And not that we haven't existed in some form or fashion of energy before, but the way that the, uh, and I don't care, like the community of spirituality, the way that past lives are viewed. And obviously past lives stem from, uh, you know what I mean, the Indian culture and Buddhism and things like that, right? It's been around for a really long time. Mm -hmm. But so much of me just kind of can't wrap my mind around a past life when so much of it is just about the now and just being present in the moment because time doesn't really exist in the in the concept and way that we traditionally think of it is as past, present, and future. It's really just the now. Right. So your question is? So my question is, tell me your thought. Like, how the hell can we have a past life if all that exists is right now? Very good. You get an A. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. You can't. Uh, the, here's the dirty little secret, okay? The karmic cycle of trying to um, right the wrongs of what has happened in, quote, past lives and trying to make amends with people and trying to what you what you put out comes back to you and even in the scales and all that. That is a symptom of our limited perspective perspective of linear time. The truth is that eventually you get to the, the awareness of that everything is happening right this very second. Even what we perceive as a past life, that you ha you do have multiple incarnations, but it's like if you have a higher soul, it's like it's like if your higher soul uh, was dropping fishing lines down into a lake and you drop like seven fishing lines into a lake, and let those different fishing lines have their own experience within the lake. You're still you, but each line is having their own, own experience and feeding back to you what's happening in, in the lake. You see what I'm saying? So I it's do. all happening at the same time, and they're all feeding off of each other. Another way to see it is that, again, like I said before, all of time, all of your lives and all of time is happening in a spiral. So where you're in a certain part of the spiral now as we're talking, there's another version of you in a different part of the spiral having a, having another life from your for your soul to learn. And as we're talking, the more that you're understanding what we're talking about, that version of you is changing the way that they're behaving. Like I said at the very beginning, all of our incarnations charts are are interacting together constantly. There is no linear Everything literally is right now. I use this example all the time that um, in every incarnation, since we're coming out of suffering, it's important to recognize that it's important to recognize what suffering looks like. Suffering looks like you can never get out. And so before now, all of your pain and suffering that your soul has had in every other incarnation besides this very moment that I'm saying these words has been in a situation where it's been in deep suffering and has been praying to a quote God and saying, please God help me, please God help me, please God help me, please God help me. Every single one of them, whether they were freed or they felt relief or they died, every one of them had one breath where they felt like their prayers were answered. And every single one of them 
thought that their prayers were answered by God and they were not. They were answered by you because you exist right now and we're having this conversation. You free all of the suffering whenever you understand the concept that suffering no longer exists. I take a big deep breath after that. <laughs> so I totally agree. I mean, that's kind of like we have to come up with some other way to talk about it then and describe it. Like I'm sick and tired of hearing people and I'm not sick and tired. I'm not judging people. You know, I'm obviously coming from a place of love and compassion, but like we got to stop talking about past lives and people stuck in that space of like, well, in a past life I experienced this. So that's why I'm living this today. No, that's not why you're living this today because you were persecuted in your past life. They exist, like you said, completely at the exact same moment in time. And I've thought that too so many times where I'll have what we would typically classify or describe as a past life experience or remembrance or reading or whatever the case may be. And the realization that past life thing that I'm remembering is at the same moment remembering this past life experience of some guy living my life and they're drawing from it and learning from it and benefiting from it at the exact same moment. Right. And Craig, I think it's really important that remember we were talking about how when you see something in the world, it, it, it exists within you. And so I think it's important to have compassion for the fact that outside of this conversation, let's just say it for argument's sake, maybe outside of this conversation, none of it all clicked together. Like, okay, now it makes sense. All of it, all points come to one point. You have to have compassion for every other point every other point that doesn't realize how all the points come together are as holy. Do you see what I'm saying? I do. Not just, not just about other people, but about the different versions of you too. There's different versions of you who have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, no, I definitely see what you're saying. And so we all... have to, we have to have compassion for all of it. <laughs> we do. I probably are we, lack did compassion. Did you give me mushrooms through my earbuds? <laughs> I think you did. <laughs> Well, Susan, thank you very much. I really, thank really for, appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's really an honor. I, I really appreciate it so much. And everybody out there, go find Susan. She threw out all of her stuff. We'll have the links to it on our uh, website and on our Facebook page and all that kind of stuff when the episode goes up. But SusanGrace.org is probably the best place. And once again, Susan, thank you. It was super interesting and thought-provoking, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. And everybody go out and have a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful day. All of our incarnations are happening at the same time, kind of in a spiral, and all of our charts are interacting with each other. And light is information. There's a greater force of light that's really working in my favor, and I need to stop fighting it. All roads are holy. Whenever, like, mermaids existed, and they would come out of the water and teach us stuff.